and three, two, one. You are listening to the Real Spicy Podcast. Thank you so much. We got another episode, great episode coming up. I think every week I say we have a great episode. Uh, I'm just having a lot of fun with these, to be honest, guys. But this week, uh, we're taking things a little bit more serious. For the most part, I'm pretty comedic in a lot of things that I do. Uh, but this week, uh, I'm taking this a little bit more serious. Um, we have an incredible guest uh, a guest who is in her second year of med school. And I thought about with all that's going on, I'm like, you know, let me get the perspective of someone who is going to be um, on the front lines of this. Has her thoughts about becoming a doctor? Has it changed? And I'm like, you know what? Instead of thinking about it, let's talk to the source. So um, this week we got Chelsea Palamante. Did I pronounce that right? Oh, yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I do appreciate it. So um, if you can introduce yourself a little bit about you and, and med school. Yeah, well, thanks for having me first off. I'm super nervous because I feel like there was not much to talk about myself. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm Chelsea. I am a second year medical student. at I go to Toro University, Nevada, and it's actually an osteopathic medical school. So there's like two branches of medical school. Mm-hmm. And um, the one I go to is a DO school. So um, a little background on that, I guess. Um, it's kind of it branched off of like the traditional MD school just because I guess the founder saw medicine and was like we could do better (laughs) so um he kind of wanted to like push the principle of like a person like treating them as a whole not just with their symptoms um but right now I feel like that was years ago so now it's kind of meshing in together with MD and DO schools like everyone kind of treats their patients as one person and Mm. kind of um, figures out like them, not just their physical health, but like their mental health, spiritual health, all that stuff. So, um, that's what kind of like interested me in DO schools. Um, so I'm in my second year. Uh, I still live with my family, which is nice. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm here at home. Um, and yeah. So right now, so are you following quarantine rules and regulations? Do you stay at home? Do, Do you go out? Are you really nervous about it actually? I am following it like very strict, like to the T, like uh-huh. everything, just because, I mean, there's no reason for me to be out anyway. Um, I do go out and like walk around and go to the parks and stuff like that, but I yeah. do keep my distance, you know, um, and I'm lucky enough to have like my family members who are still working. So they'll like head to the grocery stores like after work and then go home and um, do all that stuff for me. So I don't have to go out okay. and do it, but I think it's just like, I want to be a part of like helping, you know, it kind of dwindle down. And I know that it'll never get back to normal, but at least I'm doing my part to like stay away from, you know, exposure, I guess. And not just, not really exposing myself, but like having me being exposed and touching other things and having other people exposed. So yeah. Okay. Those. <laughs> All right. No, that's, uh, that's good to know. So I'm, I want to go from the very beginning, you know, how you got into it. So obviously to get into med school, uh, you have to get a bachelor's. What was your undergrad like? What did you follow? And in undergrad, did you know that you wanted to be a doctor or did things change halfway through? Uh, great question. <laughs> I feel like I've asked that a lot and I uh-huh. never really know like how I felt, I guess, um, because I'm, I'm looking at it in retrospect now and I'm like, oh, I think I felt like this way. But um, in undergrad, I think 
I kind of knew already that I wanted to be a doctor. I knew I wanted to be in the healthcare field. Uh, my parents are both nurses, so I kind of like had that influence like really early on. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's that stereotype, you know, like your Filipino families like in the healthcare field, your yep. sons and daughters have to be in the healthcare field. Yeah. But, um, it's just that influence, I think. It's just you look up to your parents and you kind of want to be like them and want to do like the things that they do because mm-hmm. you – they inspire you, you know? So, uh, yeah, in undergrad, I definitely wanted to do, um, I guess just do something in the medical field. Um, and it's kind of crazy because I feel like in college, I kind of was just going through, you know, the motions, like going through day by day, like all the problems that you would find in college, like meeting new people and like exposing yourself in Greek life and like, you know, like all that other stuff, like that was kind of like, important for me um and it wasn't until like I got into my upper division like classes where I kind of was like oh shoot I really need to like buckle down if I want to go into med school because it is so hard to get into and I was not confident in myself and I felt like there was so much more that I could have done so actually graduating UNLV I feel like I remember graduation like I didn't feel accomplished which was like kind of a crazy thing because yeah you college graduation is like a very accomplished thing like it's a great thing to have gone through college and like gone through all that and um yeah I didn't really feel like all that special just because I knew there was more and it was kind of just like just the beginning um and I had no idea how I was going to approach you know kind of going into med school because I was kind of doing it alone (laughs) yeah so are you the first one in your family going to med school obviously you said health field but med school are you the first yeah yeah so It was cool, though, because my cousin, uh, my distant cousin, um, he moved in with us when I was in college, and Mm -hmm. he actually went to Toro and went to med school. So that's kind of how I had my influence. But as for my immediate family, yeah, I'm the first one. So it was kind of (laughs) scary. Wow. No, congratulations on that, by the way. Once you were done with UNLV, actually, you know, let's let's stick with UNLV a little bit. Um, you pursued, obviously, to go into med school, you have to do a lot of natural science courses, like your, bio- your biologies, your physics, and your chemistry courses. Those take a lot of time. They're very time-consuming. Was it difficult? And then I know you from, from, from Greek life, so I don't really talk too much about that on the podcast, but I think this is important, too, because um, being part of Greek life, uh, which Greek life is in reference to like sororities and fraternities for those that are who aren't aware of Greek life. Uh, it requires a lot of time and a lot of time commitment. And something that I always said when I was in it, you know, you don't have time for Greek life. You make time for Greek life. How did you make time for Greek life taking all these like really high level science courses and math courses? Yeah, it was, um, it was definitely a work life balance type of thing. Like I wanted to make sure that I would get the most out of my college experience while still obviously doing college, you know, like uh, doing really well in my classes. Um, And what made Greek life like kind of special for me was that I wasn't doing it alone. I kind of had like the sisters who kind of shared their um, experiences with like the professors I was taking or the classes I was taking. Um, So they helped me a lot. And um, it kind of was for my sanity too, like (laughs) meeting people and like uh, interacting with other people. It kind of made it not so like, oh, I need to study. I need to stay in the library and do this. It kind of made it more, I don't know, just personable, I guess. Like, Yeah. yeah, it was a lot better just studying with other people and like having those sisters there for you for to help 
in any way. I wasn't doing it alone. So yeah, no. that's good that you mentioned that and i love it because you know a lot of the most the stereotypical thing that you hear is the parties and and just the shenanigans and i love how you focus on the education the support system because technically that's what they're there for it's a support system um Mm -hmm. so that's great that that you did touch about uh talk about those subjects so so once you graduate unlv um you don't go directly into med school. You have to earn your way into med school, which is called the MCAT. Am I correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. How was studying for that? How long did you take? Did you take uh, like a few months or was it a couple years to study and just simply do this test? So I actually took it twice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So when I first took it, they were kind of transitioning from the old test to a new test. Mm-hmm. So um, I was kind of in that last group. Uh, to take the old exam. And I feel like I just wasn't prepared for it at all. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I took a lot of time to study for it just because I had like, um, I was out of school already. I kind of did my MCAT after I graduated. So uh, I had that gap year, as they call it, um, to kind of focus on like my application. And um, so I was only working like part time and yeah, I kind of did it alone. Like, as I've said, like, I yeah. kind of was just like in isolation study on my own, not really understanding like how to study. Um, so I took it, wasn't prepared for it and didn't do so well. Um, I mean, I did average, but I kind of was just average across the board. So I didn't yeah. want to like have that be kind of like a determining factor in if I get in or not. Yeah. So I decided to take it again. And that was like very... Uh, it was very nerve wracking and like I lost any confidence that I had in myself. <laughs> Cause, really? Okay. Yeah. Cause um, it was kind of like the first exam that kind of made me realize like, you know, I might not be ready for this and I kind of need like a backup plan. Yeah. So I actually like took, I decided I wanted to take like another gap year. Um, and that kind of like blew my ego, the small ego that I had, like it, just, yeah. you know, um, and so I decided to take another gap year and it was like all these factors came in like, oh, now I'm going to be older. Like um, not a lot of people are going to be like, you know, a lot of people are going to be younger than me if I do get in. Um, and then I had to think about a plan B, um, which was something that I never really thought about because, you know, you have dreams and you kind of just want to go through your dreams. And if that doesn't yeah. work, then you start thinking about it. But I kind of had to just think realistically and think, you know, if I don't get it in, it's not the end of the world. And I yeah. need to figure out what I'm going to do instead of just crying about it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I decided to take that gap year. Um, I took the new MCAT. Um, I did a lot of, like, Googling, like, on how other people kind of prepared for it, which I didn't do the first time. I kind of just thought. Um, oh, I also took, like, a, an, uh, a class kind of setting where they kind of taught me how um but i didn't take that seriously either which i'm actually upset about too because it was so much money to like spend time in that class but i just felt like they weren't really teaching me what i thought i needed um which was should have been the opposite way around but yeah yeah so the second time i took it i kind of was a little bit more prepared i went and um like asked around a little bit more to other people like their experience about it and i think that's super important when you're ever you're kind of like applying to something Um, whether it be med school or anything else um, just knowing like getting advice from people who've been through it is like super important because you never know what's going on and but the people who have gone through it obviously they do know something and they could probably give you a little bit of advice so I had a lot of help from other people um, the second time around 
so I, I wanted to talk about um, kind of like this ego that, that, that you mentioned. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. During your undergrad, were your grades stellar? Um, see, I don't know, because I feel like they were above average, mm-hmm. but they weren't stellar in like the sense that I could, I felt like I could get in anywhere I wanted to, you know, I just yeah. thought I was an average person. And I don't know if that's just me being me and like wanting to be, you know, perfect or whatever, but um, no, I, it wasn't stellar. I mean, it was like average, above average, probably. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, the reason I mentioned that is, is um, so I know it's kind of, this is, this is the, uh, the side that I, sometimes I'm embarrassed to talk about. So there is this YouTuber, she's a makeup artist. Uh, her name is Michelle Fawn. Um, she's one of the OG artists and um, she talks about, all her life, uh, she, she made a makeup brand and uh, it didn't go so well. And she kind of went off, off the grid for, for a good year or two. Um, and she kind of mentioned that all her life, she was told that how amazing she is uh, because everything she did was successful. And for the first time ever in her life, she had a major failure, which really threw her off for the first time ever. Um, is that something that you can kind of relate the fact that that's what I mentioned, you know, I wanted to understand like maybe in undergrad, you were like top, top in your class. You're like, Oh, I got this. Obviously you build confidence from somewhere. Uh, And then once you do the MCAT the first time, Oh God, okay, never mind. I guess I don't got this as much as I thought. Um, But the second time around, it was a complete different ball game. Um, What would be something that you would recommend others uh, to one do right from the get go? Um, well, first, don't give up because <laughs> you yeah. never know like what you're capable of. Um, for me, it just took a little bit of like tweaking and like kind of reaching out to other people to kind of figure out how I could handle it. Mm-hmm. So definitely don't give up. Um, be prepared because <laughs> yeah. I wasn't prepared. Um, and even though I thought I was prepared, uh, my scores didn't say so. So it was kind of like be realistic in your goals, Um, kind of do the realistic thing and be prepared as much as you can. Obviously you can't prepare that much for something like that, but um, just kind of do your research and kind of figure out like what worked best for other people. I mean, I wouldn't say like compare yourself to other people, but it's always good to have like a baseline kind of see how you are, where you fit. um, Cause it kind of makes you adjust how you're doing things based on kind of what you're hearing and all that stuff. But yeah. Okay. No, that's good. Really good advice. Um, so I definitely want to, this, I probably should have asked you ahead of time. Um, so you can kind of marinate on this question, but what made you pursue a career in, well, not just in the health field, but become a doctor. Uh, it's not a nurse, not saying that a nurse is easier than a doctor, but let's be honest, a doctor is like, it's a lot of, it's a time commitment and it's a lot harder uh, in my opinion. I don't know because I, I don't work in the health field, but I, I, I always assume that being a doctor is really hard. What made you want to pursue that? Obviously your family, but you could have gone another route. Why medical? Why, why a doctor? Oh man, that brings me back to like the interviews sessions. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Is that something they asked? Yeah, they definitely ask, like, why a doctor? And I always bring in, like, my family just because, like, I am who I am just because of the influence that my family has given me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was kind of, like, toying between nurse and doctor. And, I mean, nurses are seriously hands-on with the patient. They're there in the bedside. They are doing the craziest things, like, that probably doctors won't 
be seeing like every day. Um, they and do the dirty work. Yeah, they really yeah. do. I, like, Literally, they do the dirty work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it was kind of like, for me, it was kind of deciding between that or kind of um, just being involved in everything about the patient, which I mm -hmm. kind of liked. Um, and also kind of being a leader in the sense that I can kind of run, you know, my practice if I do have like a, my own practice, um, kind of how I want it to. And um, I wanted to push kind of preventative medicine, um, make sure, making sure that like people know how to take care of their health um, early on so that, um, you know, they don't come, you know, 60 years old and they're like, oh, they have all these diseases and, um, you know, things that it's kind of not really too late to fix because I don't think it's ever too late to fix. But um, yeah. things that if they understood like how it benefited their health earlier on, um, it probably wouldn't have gotten to that point. So I really wanted to push like preventative medicine and mm -hmm. Um, I do still want to be like very close to my patients in the future. Like I think having that relationship with people is just like, you can't replace that. Um, whether it's being a nurse or uh, being a doctor. So, um, but yeah, that leadership role and kind of like being able to know all aspects of that patient's life and kind of figure out, it's kind of like problem solving, like, uh, going to have to put all the pieces in the puzzle together with that patient and kind of figure out like what they need kind of like, yeah. Yeah. So your goal is more to become proactive instead of reactive, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, so with now that you're in your second year, uh, are there some things that have been very different than you expected? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like I always had a plan in my life. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this, like graduate, you know, with my bachelor's, going to go into med school, going to do that. But it's kind of like, I have to be very fluid about how I approach my plans. Yeah. Um, obviously, not everything goes to plans, like how I kind of figured out with like my gap years and stuff. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's just, I had to be more flexible about pretty much everything. So first year, I kind of was like, okay, if I study hard, if I put in the work, I'll do great. Uh, no, <laughs> there was like way more um, to it than just like studying and working hard. It was yeah. kind of like finding that work-life balance, like putting in self-care when I needed to, because I would like go crazy of stress and all that stuff um, in the first year. And I feel like even second year, I kind of had that struggle. And now with everything going on, it's like I'm struggling even more to kind of find that like self-care and like uh, kind of that balance and adjusting to all the things that life gives you yeah. uh, it's really hard to do that when you're so focused on like passing your class and like understanding all the things in your textbook when like the outside world is like banging on your door and like mm -hmm. telling you wait you need to stop and like check up on this or do that yeah um, it's really hard sometimes but definitely I don't know for some reason I pictured the I've only watched it once the frozen you know when uh, the little girl is knocking on <laughs> Elsa's door that's yeah. what I feel the world is doing to you. Do you want to build a snowman? You're like, no, I'm studying. No, let me be in my bubble <laughs> and let me study. <laughs> okay. So this, this is going to be a, a, a deep question. Is there, are, don't be, you don't have to be very, very specific, but have you, because of studying and focusing on this career, have there been in the past things that you've missed that you will never get back because your whole focus has been medical school? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Is it something that, um, 
that that are people understanding is that's the most important thing are people understanding or are they not vengeful but just uh, they bring it up sour about the situation well i'm lucky enough to have like really good supportive people in my life that mm -hmm. don't like hate on me for like missing their birthday party or going out to dinner or something like that yeah. um i've had to say no so many times and it's it kind of was like a challenge for me because yeah. I felt like they wouldn't understand. Um, and I actually talked to my sister about this so many times because I was just like so frustrated to the point where I didn't understand why I was feeling so down about myself for saying no, uh, when it was something I needed to do for my future, you know? So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, I missed my little sister's graduation, college graduation at UNLV because I had to uh -huh. study for finals. Like that's something I would never, like I can never get back, but she was so good about it. She was so like, I mean, she would like banter with me about it. Like, oh, you missed my graduation, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it wasn't anything that she hated me for. Yeah. Um, I kind of just hated myself for that. But I knew that it was kind of what I had to do. Um, and for that, that being like the biggest thing that I've had to miss out on, um, it couldn't have been that bad because yeah. I do have like times where I can you know hang out with them and they can do things but it has to be on in school schedule you know yeah. so uh that was just one thing that we couldn't obviously couldn't change the date on yeah. and like that but um especially yeah. during finals week I mean that is something that it's not just an hour or two of studying it is countless hours of studying uh, yeah and yeah. I thought I could do it too I thought I could like go to her graduation for a little bit go home but I think the way that I kind of had to study, like it would just throw me off for the rest of the night. Like yeah. I wouldn't be able to study after going to her graduation, you know, cause then we'd have to go to dinner and all that stuff and I couldn't yeah. focus. So it was definitely like a hard thing to say no to, but um, yeah, it's okay now. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. That's such a cliche, but it, it is true. It is true. So now this is the, the portion that we kind of get a little serious. So, um, I think this whole pandemic has changed the ballgame for a lot of people. Um, the medical field, first responders, people at the store, just you name it, it's changed the ballgame, the, the restaurants, the, anything and everything. Um, with this whole pandemic going on, COVID-19, has it changed your, 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 your career path? Has this been something like, are, are you now questioning if this is something you want to do due to a fear of, of this? Or is it something that now kind of strength, strength, uh, gives you strength to, to pursue even more because now you want to be part of the, the solution? Yeah, it definitely um, made me strengthen my goals into becoming a doctor. Um, okay. I think with everything going on, it's like, I don't know, there's just a lot of mistrust, you know, and yeah. it's just like, not, no, it doesn't seem like people know who to go to when a national pandemic like this happens. Um, yeah. And I feel like going into the healthcare field and being part of that, like, you know, the front lines of it, um, it kind of seems like that's just something I need to do. Like, yeah. I don't know, it just sounds weird saying that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah um, that, that, that right there, and there's nothing wrong with it. I love it because you have a hero's mentality. And I think that's what medical, uh, people in the medical field should have a, a hero's mentality. Not like like a vigilante hero, but I mean, <laughs> like, I'm here to help the people. And, and the fact that you are becoming a doctor or in the works of becoming a doctor, you have that mentality. That's incredible. I, 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 
I can't wait for you to become a doctor because that's the mentality that I personally think we need in, in, in the health field. <laughs> yeah. So with, with that being with, with, with the whole Corona thing, so, or COVID, I think Hispanics and, and, and the Asian community, we're very similar, especially, oh, but you do come from a very well-educated family, but I can only imagine those that, um, that, that may not be educated ask you about coronavirus like because you are becoming a doctor now they assume like oh she's gonna become a doctor she technically is a doctor do you get a lot of that from family members yeah, not for family members uh-huh. um, i guess i i guess i get it from like like just people online i guess <laughs> i don't know uh-huh. um, my boyfriend asked me a lot of questions about it just because yeah. like, he just knows that I, well, I guess he knows that I'm like always like looking into it and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but when we discuss it, it's kind of like, he kind of like shows me an article and he's like, is this true? I'm like, I don't know if it's true. <laughs> like, did you read it? <laughs> like, where's it from? Is it from like a credible source or whatever? But uh-huh. even then, like, even being like in that background that I have with like science and stuff, like, I don't know half of what's going on. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, the people researching it, they still don't know what's going on. So it's kind of like, I don't know, who do you trust? You know, like very true with all this going on. It's very, everything is changing. Everything uh, is being updated. And the fact that it's so unknown, um, it it makes it very difficult to kind of have the right information, especially nowadays with media, who's trying to get to the, the information first, whether the information is correct, it's not being fact checked now that you are two years away from from being able to practice um is this on the back of your mind of of having a little bit more being a little bit more cautious or having a little bit more fear is this something that has changed the way that you will practice and also has it um changed the way that education is being taught um so for the first part of the question um i think it has changed like how i feel like healthcare is just gonna be like um there's a lot of people who like I said who are like mistrustful and don't really know like who to trust um so I think like that's kind of like a big thing that I want to make sure that I'm gonna do for my future patients is having their trust um you know because it's like there's a lot of unknowns about medicine and science and all that so um by being a doctor, like any healthcare professional, um, people are going to go to you for advice. So um, if I don't know that advice, um, I mean, at least I would know like where they could get the advice, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know that I'm not going to know everything. um, But just to have that trust in my patient that they could come to me for advice and, um, you know, look up to me in the sense that like, I'm doing what I can to make sure that they're okay. um, That's pretty much what I want to do and make sure that I'm going to do, um, in the future. Um, and for that second part, I actually forgot what you said. Can you repeat the second part of that? Yeah. So has it changed the way that your education is being taught? Um, yeah. So since I'm in my second year, um, it's kind of just all, well, it was all like in classroom stuff, uh, Mm -hmm. with a few like clinical stuff here and there where I had like actors become patients and I had to kind of go through what I would do in that sense. Um, so the whole, touching other people and doing that, that has totally just been canceled. So it's, it wasn't much of a change for me just because I could just easily open up my book and do practice questions on my own. And I didn't really need um, faculty to kind of teach me 
um, how to do that. Um, they had all their lectures kind of online through Zoom. So it was kind of like, um, kind of made sense in that way. But if I were like a third year in my clinical rotations, they, they kind of got it the hardest, like, cause yeah. they kind of just couldn't go to the hospitals anymore. I had to do virtual uh, clerkships, which don't give you the same experience as like being with, in bedside by the patient. Yeah. So, um, in that sense, it kind of didn't really change much for me. Um, I am in an osteopathic medical school. So mm -hmm. in addition to um, what the, you know, MD counterparts have to do, I have to do 200 additional hours of what's called OMM. And that's like hands-on stuff, um, hands-on diagnosis, kind of figuring out what's going on with the patient's body, like the muscle skeletal system, yeah. um, diagnosing that and kind of treating that. So we you know, the past two months, we haven't had um, our hands-on practice with that. So I actually don't even know if I'm going to have that hands-on practice. They say we're going to be fine uh, just for, as for graduation goes. But um, yeah, that was, that was tough to not okay. have that. Cause I actually liked doing the hands-on stuff. I liked being able to like feel someone's body and see, you know, maybe they're not breathing right. Cause their rib is kind of like stuck a little way. Let me help fix that. Yeah. Um, so doing those kind of hands-on things and kind of seeing results kind of almost right away um, was really interesting. And I liked that part of it, but not having to do that kind of, kind of sucked. <laughs> it takes away from the experience as a whole yeah. um, having that. So the, the, the next one, and I know we kind of discussed it and it's not very, um, you kind of mentioned that it's not very prevalent, but before we went live, um, I, I mentioned that um, some our some of our political leaders have have given blank blanket statements about uh, Asians, um, um, which has caused a lot of uh, how how would I say it just racial tensions, uh, especially uh, against the, the, the Asian community and vice versa. Like I've also read online that in China, um, it's been a reverse. They have been, they've uh, discriminated the African-American. Oh, well, they're not African over there. I guess you would just say the, the black people over there. They have been discriminated in China while the Chinese here or the Asians um, have been discriminated. Have you seen personally the effects of uh, these strong words made by our, our political leaders or, or just even just social media? I think social media is a big push to it too. Um, the ignorant people, I wouldn't say the dumb people, sometimes they don't know and they're just ignorant, but they, you know, teachers their own um, by statements that are made. Have you been a, a, a witness to it? Um, no, I, well, I've been lucky enough to not have been exposed out there <laughs> to uh -huh. like have, um, anything like that happen to me, or I haven't even witnessed anything directly. Um, at first I thought it was just because, you know, Las Vegas is a kind of diverse community. There's a lot yeah. of people here. So it's kind of not, you don't see that as often, yeah. but obviously just because I don't see it happening to me or witnessing it firsthand is that doesn't mean it's not going on. Um, and so I don't know, it's just social media. Sometimes it could be a good thing and sometimes it could be a bad thing, you know, like you have to be careful about like what you're putting on social media. And it's like, is that influence a positive influence? Is it like mm. spreading kindness or whatever? Or is it just spreading hate? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the whole and the, the reason I mentioned it, too, is just because it, it's 
to me, it's kind of sad. I think in a time of need now, I think we should all be united and uh, and not put the blame on uh, on people. Instead of putting the blame, we should be working towards a common purpose, which is finding a cure or, um, correct me on this, flatlining the curve, right? Yeah, flattening the curve, yeah. Flat, yeah, sorry, flattening the curve. I've been hearing a lot as I go. Again, I hear it, but I don't, sometimes I don't understand it. So, um, but I know when you flat the curve, you flatten the curve, it, that means that, Corona is, you know, are you able to explain a little bit about that? I think like what people were saying with flattening the curve, it was like mm. when it first kind of spread out and became a pandemic, mm-hmm. it was a big deal because it was kind of like a virus that, or a strain of a virus that wasn't really known. So a lot of, um, I guess, researchers and immunologists were kind of looking at it and saying, you know, from what other coronaviruses like SARS and MERS, mm. um, what other coronaviruses had, you know, this is kind of what we need to prepare for, but this wasn't like that, I guess. So I think yeah. flattening the curve was kind of like just to be safe and like prepare for what's to come. We need to make sure that the hospitals aren't overwhelmed. Yeah. So that's why, I mean, the only thing we could do is really like distance yourself from people because then you won't be, you know, transmitting the disease. Um, but I feel like that should just be like, kind of like, I mean, I am no, am in no position to like mm. make, these are just my opinions, yeah. but I feel like it should be like, kind of like an ongoing, um, kind of an ongoing thing where you kind of see, okay, is this working? And if it is working, what can we do next? Yeah. Instead of just saying like, it's either one thing or the other, like go outside or don't go outside. It yeah. shouldn't be like that. There's a lot of gray area. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like, and each place is different. Like each place, you know, like Las Vegas is a very populate, pop, I don't, populated. Yeah. Populated yeah. community. Like it's like a lot of people, uh-huh. um, but compared to like rural areas, so they might not have the same numbers as we do. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was a whole deal with flattening the curve is so that the hospitals and stuff wouldn't be overwhelmed because they didn't have the resources really to kind of fight what was going on. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it could have been worse, but even now, I mean, they're super overwhelmed. What's the one thing that you miss with uh, that since going in quarantine that you haven't been able to do? Uh, going out to eat at restaurants and like, cause that's how I catch up with friends. You know, uh-huh. I don't really see my friends that often anyway, just cause I've all, I feel like I've always just been so busy, but like, that's the one thing that we could like, go to a restaurant, have a drink, you know, happy hour or whatever, and just like hang out and catch up. That's yeah. what it's most, I think. Like everything else, I don't know, but. It's whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. I miss that, yeah. Uh, no, I definitely, I definitely can kind of relate to that. I think for me, it's, it's not just the fact of going now. I, because sometimes I feel like I'm a loner because I do things by myself, but I think just going to events is the one thing that I miss like sports events or even concerts, but that's going to change too. Like, you know, we had uh, EDC was supposed to be this, this uh, past weekend. Um, I think Coachella didn't happen either. And all these music festivals, I wonder how that's going to change because there's hundreds of thousands of people there. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned it too, sports. I totally forgot. Like it's just been like what, two months without sports. Like it's crazy. Yeah. It's so weird, but it, it, it's kind of given people, uh, from what I noticed, people go out now, not to hang out, but there's been a lot of like recreational, recreational activities going on. So I bike uh, quite a bit. Um, and so I've been going to these parks uh, for some time now. And ever since quarantine happened, new people have shown up. Like, 
who are you? Like, I felt like I was, I, like, I, I was territorial over my park. Who are you? Who invited you? Like, yeah. never came here before. I'm like, oh, wow. And then the more that quarantine happened, the more packed it got, which is so strange. But it seems like more people are actually exploring the outside instead of just hanging out. But they're, like, going on hikes. They're going on long walks around the neighborhood. It's become very homey, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's a word, but it's become very homey yeah. in a sense. Yeah, and I hope that never changed, you know, like people going outside, going to the parks and stuff, like that's a good thing. Um, And it's crazy because now I know my neighbors too. Like I see my neighbors a lot more often. It's so crazy. (laughs) Yeah, now it's uh, no longer of, hey, how's it going? It's like, hey, Chelsea, how are you? Do you know my name? You know, (laughs) that's how it is. Like, hey, Gil, when did I give you my name? You know, like, but it's so, it's so awesome that things you know there's always pros and cons to everything and and the fact that you and I are kind of talking about the pros of this is 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 incredible because all I see on social media is the negativity from it uh definitely so with uh with all that being said uh when are you going to be a doctor oh man projected projected timeline (laughs) no um so I have two years left um I graduate but it's not even over after that, I still have to go through my residency training. So depending on what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I kind of always have wanted to do primary care and do like pediatrics or something. Uh-huh. So that's like a kind of like a three year program or three year tra- training. So after I graduate, after the two years, I have three more years of training and then I can finally like practice on my own. So <laughs> it's a lifelong thing. It is. So it's not just four years of education. It's an additional three years of hands-on experience. At least. Yeah. At, at least. Years. Yeah. So that's kind of like the minimum. I think if you want to do like um, ER or uh-huh. you know, just like other, any type of primary care starts off three years. And then if you want to then, you know, specialize, then it's kind of like five to seven years. So for me, I kind of want to just be done after three years. <laughs> Hopefully that's how it will work. But yeah. <laughs> wow. That's uh, okay. I did not know that. I just thought, hey, once you're done, congratulations. Here's your robe. And now you're a doctor. Yeah, there's still so much to learn. And I feel like even just from talking to like other people, Mm -hmm. um, even when you graduate, you know, and you're a doctor, you still there's yeah, there's still so much that you don't know. So it's like, are you really ready? So it's kind of scary thinking that way, because it's like, oh, I'm going to be graduating, people are going to call me a doctor, but I have no idea what's going on. Oh my (laughs) god. So I think that's kind of like a good thing that I'm getting the training because then it'll be like more in depth of what I want to do um, than just like graduate and be like, hey, <laughs> time to help people. This is more like a personal experience. So something I notice, and it's changed, which is great. Um, there used to be not a pandemic. I think it was called the word is an epidemic on painkillers, which was opioids. Mm-hmm. Opioids. Um, have things changed in, in the pharmaceutical world uh, as far as regulation of, of these things? Has that been something that has been heavily pushed in your curriculum about uh, opioids or anything that uh, addictive substance, substances? Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's very, very um, like an important topic uh-huh. um, that people. Well, I kind of went, went to like an opioid council where it was just like a bunch of people. It was like nursing students, um, senators, uh, like like lawyers and all that stuff. It was just all, they all came together um, in like, I think it was like the police headquarters yeah. and all kind of wanted to just push like the, you know, 
the opioid pandemic or epidemic. Yeah. Yeah. How bad the opioid uh, prescription problem has become and like, what can we do about it? So it was cool seeing like lawyers and like other politicians and like nursing students kind of their ideas on like how, um, how serious the opioid crisis is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's pushed in school all the time, you know, just like opioid abuse and like how to detect it and like what can you do about it um, and not prescribe over prescribing, of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The reason I mentioned that I actually go to, to Mexico quite a bit and mm-hmm. over there, I uh, actually about one month before all where well, excuse my French, before shit hit the fan, you know, <laughs> with whole, uh, the whole Corona thing. Um, I went to Mexico. I go there once a month and and I'm like, you know what? Let me get uh, some Z-Packs just in case, mm-hmm. which is an antibiotic, usually a respiratory antibiotic. So I go to the pharmacy because normally over there, you can just pick it up. There's no, you don't really need prescriptions. Um, so I, I asked for one and they said, we can't give you that. And it threw me off because they said that in Mexico, they have a problem with um, people self-diagnosing themselves and then self-prescribing antibiotics, which means that they build an antibody. So once they go back to the hospital, it has no effect on them because they've already built these antibodies. And they said, are you from from America? I was like, yeah. Oh, you guys have drug issues. We have antibody issues. I said, okay, I don't, I don't know if that has, okay. I honestly, that comment had nothing to do with our conversation, but I'm like, why are you telling me this? Like, I just wanted a pack, and you gave me a lecture on why Americans are addicted to drugs. Thank you, ma'am. I actually just wanted to ask that because that's always been on the back of my mind. I know in America, I know there has been an opioid issue. I just didn't know that in Mexico and Mexico was an antibody issue. Yeah. Well, even here, like they push like not prescribing antibiotics, mm-hmm. like for anything, like there's specific antibiotics because you will form a resistance to it and it won't work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the bugs change, like they'll evolve. And like, so the, you know, the drugs that worked for them in the past, like won't work for them in the future if you keep, you know, taking the antibiotics. So yeah, that's crazy. I in Mexico. They even said that. In other countries, they're not very fond of Americans. So I usually lie. Uh, so when I go to Mexico, I can't get away with it. I, cause normally if I go, uh, so when I went to like Europe, a lot of the countries over there, I just said I was from Mexico. I speak Spanish. No one questioned it. And they thought it was incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, when I go to Mexico, I once lied and I said, Oh, I'm from Baja. And they ask questions and they're like, you don't really talk like they do. I said, Oh, it's because Baja, which is like TJ. Um, it's really close to the U.S. So I moved back to the U.S. at a young age. They're like, oh, that makes sense. So you're, you're pretty much American. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, damn, look at this guy caught my lie. I'm not going to fake it. But in Europe, no, they loved it. Oh, I'm from Mexico. No questions asked. I'm like, wow, thank you. And they thought it was so cool. Do you know how to speak Spanish? I, I do. Can you <laughs> speak it to me? Yeah. And I would speak and they thought it would be really cool. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's a little bit different for each country. I just... Low-key, though, they don't like Americans. I don't know why. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think uh, we hit the, the, the time limit on this. And, you know, in the beginning, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk. <laughs> you were so nervous. You did incredible. It was, it was perfect. It was pretty much everything that I wanted to know from a medical student's perspective and your perspective. I know you, you kind of wanted to refer me to something else. Honestly, I don't really care about those people because I don't know them and I don't know their story. And I knew your story. I was like, I got to share her story. 
um because it's really interesting uh especially right now all this it, um it, some people want to become in want to be involved in the health field others I kind of deterred by it. They're kind of fearful for it. So I kind of wanted to get uh, a more, ask the source, you know, who is in it right now or, or in the process of being in it. I do want to thank you so much for, for, um, for taking the time. I know you're super busy. Um, it's not finals week, is it? No, I'm just studying for board okay. a month. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool, cool. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. I, I, I do appreciate that. And uh, I think I'm going to sign off uh, for those that are listening. Um, or actually, for those that are watching, make sure you smash that like button, comment down below. Or uh, if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, and Google, thank you so much. Make sure you give us five stars on Apple uh, and comment. Uh, and on that, I'm out.